When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sequence and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. One ring the bell. Coffee spinning. Double clutch, doesn't go. From his backside, he hits. Are you kidding? <laughs> Newton in the paint, jump stop, comes up, fire, he scores. Newton scores over Mason. Six and a half, ten of the game for Newton. Give them credit. I thought they made big plays when they needed to. Uh, we did not. That's a really, really good team. So uh, as, as difficult as it is to, to lose at home, We'll learn from it. We'll get better. It's not even December 1st. Yeah. Uh, you were in the arena last night for uh, Gophers and Miami national television. Mm-hmm. It felt like an amazing vibe just watching on uh, ESPN2. I think fans should feel, despite the loss, really good about the Gopher basketball team and the way they've looked so far a month into the season. I mean, it was a loss, but without Dupree McBrayer, uh, they didn't play particularly well, and Miami is legit. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the most talented teams in the country. And your bench gave you nothing. Yeah, I mean, like without McBrayer, you got nothing from your bench. Yeah. So overall, I, I I watched that game and think, yeah, they lost, and it would have been nice to grab a home game there, and that would have been a huge resume building win. But a lot of things to feel really good about after that game last night. Let me start with what you uh, began with, which which was the atmosphere in the building. It has been so long. Since I've been in that building, and I have contended since the day I started this show, that you can build all the new arenas and stadiums that you want. But when Williams Arena is full and it's rocking and you're playing a good team, there is no building in this town, and I'm a hockey guy and a baseball guy. There is no building, no stadium in this town that I want to be in more than that place. This was the the first time that the Gophers have played a top 10 opponent in the barn since 1998. Number four, Cincinnati at the time. Last night, just as a starting point, last night being in that place with that vibe start to finish was unbelievably fun, and it remains to this day right now with all of the new places we built, it remains, Phil Mackey, the best place to be in this town for a significant game. I don't care how how nice Target Field is. I don't care how nice the X is for hockey. Williams Arena that old place is the most dingy, run-down, awful place when you're playing a hyphenated team and your team stinks. But when you're playing a legitimate team in that building, it's great. It's still annoying when you, like, if you get tickets or something and and you're you're sitting, let's say, in the lower bowl, but you're 23 rows up and you can't see anything above. You can't see scoreboards or anything. But you're right. The atmosphere is super fun. 
just I, I have just sort of a, a bullet point list of observations I was writing down during the game last night. Okay. Let's just let's kick some of these around. I sure. think Jordan Murphy, it's incredible. He was already a really good player his first two years. And it felt like he plateaued a little bit last year. You know, they had that come to Jesus conversation in Richard Patino's office during the conference season. Then all of a sudden he breaks out, has a better uh, second half of the conference season. He has beasted into one of the best players in the country. One of the best big men, for sure, in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I don't know what he did this offseason. He put in a ton of work. Uh, he obviously worked on his post game and various other items, but he's blocking a ton of shots. He's an automatic double-double. Mm-hmm. Didn't play particularly well in the second half. In fact, he missed a couple and one opportunities that really could have he maybe put the Gophers back in that game. Two, two key, free throws. Yes, late in the game that really hurt him, yes. But in general, like he is to, to watch who he has become now as a junior and compare it to the really solid player you saw the first two years, mm-hmm. that is what takes the Gophers to the next level. So everything that he did uh, at the start of last year, when, when he got off to a rough start and you said, what's wrong here? Everything he did wrong then, he is for the most part doing right now. Uh, The guy that impressed me last night, though, my takeaway of, okay, this is now defining him, Amir Coffey. Amir Coffey was fantastic How about the Blake Hoffarber shot last night? Everything, though. Amir Coffey, uh, 23 points, 5 boards, uh, 2 assists. Amir Coffey last night. Because we've talked about the fact that far too many times in, in the past, he hasn't wanted to shoot or he's appeared, because the talent's there, but he he's appeared to be reluctant to actually try and take control of the game. Last night, he did it. Last night, against a really good team, if if there was a takeaway for me of, uh-huh, this kid's growing up, Amir Coffey yeah. last night. Uh, I think if if Dupree McBrayer hadn't been out with a leg infection, which, uh, who knows, I don't know, that's, I mean, that might, that, maybe that knocks him out for a couple more games. I don't know what the extent of that is, and they weren't elaborating too much last night. But if they had Dupree McBrayer, it would have created such a better circumstance because now... You're not playing Isaiah Washington basically the whole game. You don't have to roll with Michael Hurt for, was it 20 minutes last night? Or maybe more than that. It was like 20, 25 minutes of Michael Hurt, Mm -hmm. who just, that's such an up-tempo game. And he's not even looking to do anything offensively. Just 16. Okay, 16. Not too bad, yeah. So I'm not not trying to trash Michael Hurt, but that's not a Michael Hurt game. That's not a Bakari Kanate game. You know, that's a Dupree McBrayer game. (laughs) It's an Isaiah Washington off the bench for a spark game. It's not a Kanate game. You are absolutely correct. Hyphenated schools are Kanate games. Right. Um, So, I don't know. I think if they would have had Dupree McBrayer, I think they win that game. They just look different. So they, they, you know, they... They played that game without McBrayer and obviously Eric Curry, mm-hmm. and depth is an issue when uh, when McBrayer's out. So one other thing too, Isaiah Washington has a ton of talent, and I love the fearlessness that he starts one for eleven from the field, which is bad, uh, but then he doesn't let it bother him. Like he keeps driving to the hole and shooting shots, and he actually made a bunch of shots in a row mm-hmm. late in the game. But I would characterize Isaiah Washington as unnecessarily flashy. Where he's going to the rim and he's got to shift the ball around for a layup and he kind of twitches it with his hand. He missed two or three point it's the blank jelly layups. Roll, dude. He's trying the jelly roll. He tried it last night and missed it completely. Okay, just okay. That's he great. Was, just lay the ball in. You know what? He the thing I like about him is is you can see the talent and and the effort is there consistently. But the best way I could characterize his game last night, basically the entire night, out of control. He was out of control. Uh, here's a question. Why was he uh, charged, especially in the second half, with the point guard responsibilities and not Mason? They they had him bringing the ball d- down the floor quite a bit. 
I don't trust him yet. And Mason, I do much, much more so. Why was why was uh, uh, he bringing the ball down? My, and not my best guess is, I, and I, I just I'm just taking a wild guess at this. I think they like Mason spotting up sometimes to shoot threes, and so it's a little harder. I mean, Mason can pick and like he can pick and pop too. So I guess maybe that's not a great explanation, but. You know, I don't. I, maybe they just switch off and they just try to get the offense moving in different directions. He goes um, really fast. He's uh, yeah. I mean, the moment was too big for Isaiah Washington last night, but it won't be later in the year. I think that was a great test for him. The broadcasters were talking about it last night. It's going to wind up being a great reference point for him in like two or three months when you're playing Michigan State, when you're in the Big Ten tournament, and then the only other thing I would observe just based off the Big Ten ACC challenge. The ACC absolutely has slayed it's the Big not, Ten the last couple nights. It's not good for the Big it's Ten. It's like ten to one or something ridiculous. Yes, They're just, it is. It's like it's embarrassing. Two wins, I believe. For the Big so ten. the Big Ten is way down this year. There's two. It's kind of top heavy, but not even really that top heavy. Michigan State is is going to be fine, but there's not like Purdue, Indiana looked good against Duke last night. The Gophers. The number two spot in the Big Ten is wide open right now. So, and you've and you've seen it when when the Big Ten has been matched up against another superior conference the last couple days. The Big Ten's way down. The Gophers are good. No reason why you can't charge into the top three and stay there in that conference all year long. Let me give you the most incredible stat from last night's box score, though. This is without a doubt. This might be the most incredible stat that you see all season in a Gopher box score. Reggie Lynch, thirty-three minutes, no. Fouls, and he, he had a, he had at least one foul. That's wrong. It says he had no, at least one foul. No personal, well, if it's one, it's still incredible. He has okay. So so one foul then seven block shots. Yeah, that is the most incredible stat. And if Reggie Lynch can consistently stay in Big Ten games, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Ding ding. Butler sets it up. Towns met up top, but he's going to the free throw line. And AD's going to watch it, and he just he's out of the game. Unbelievable. Boy, that hurts your chances in a big way. I thought our guys were ready to go. I thought they shared the ball. I thought they played tough. So they rebounded the ball well. They played for each other. When we do that, good things will happen. The start of the game, even though we were behind, I thought we were guys were sharing the ball. The ball was moving. And so we missed shots. They got a lead. We took a punch. We got back up. We kept fighting. Then we started, you know, we, we, could, we gained some momentum. And then once we got going, uh, you know, it, it was hard to, to shut us right, off. That was that's an impressive win. I saw a nugget last night that the ESPN.com, I think it was, they had some article recently where they just listed they've they've been listing schedule losses and predicting schedule losses for NBA teams, saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, uh, in two weeks, this is a back to back, and this is the travel situation, and this is going to be a loss." And they predicted correctly the first nine or ten schedule losses for teams. And last night, the Wolves were on that list. This is going to be a schedule loss. Home game. They look like Travel all the way down south. Just lost a game. Uh, against a pretty good team, yep. And um, they were wrong for the first time all year. Andrew Wiggins, with his best game of the year by far, I think this type of performance should be much more the norm than it is with him. I think if he wants to do this on a more regular basis, he can. Mm-hmm. 28 points, season high. Eight rebounds, season high. Five assists. I believe that's also a season high for Andrew Wiggins. He also shot a very efficient 10 of 18 from the field, and he knocked down some three-pointers last night. So Andrew Wiggins on the road, 
when the team needed something, energy, give him a lift. And he put up his best performance of the year. And I feel like he can do that when he puts his mind to it. He, and when he, he, when, he, when, he, when he plays engaged for 35 minutes. He definitely minutes. can. And, and did I hear that correctly? That was happy Tibbs. That's as happy as Tibbs can possibly sound. Yeah. I thought our guys yeah. were ready to go. I thought they shared the ball. I thought they played tough. So they rebounded the ball well. They played for each other. When we do that, good things will happen. That's monotone, Tibbs. No, no, no. Tibbs, Tibbs, Tibbs is is morose Tibbs two days ago. There's mad Tibbs, and there's happy Tibbs. That's happy Tibbs. That's as, Boy, that that's, is as uh, joyous as your Tibbs. I, I guess. What is he? What is he like after a bottle of wine? Like, does he? Oh, I love. Does he get happy, or oh. do you think he gets angry? Among, do you think he's a fun a fun guy to drink with? Pro- or does he just bellow? Probably not. Here's the thing. There's at least three coaches in this town that I would love to drink with. Tibbs, Boudreaux. And Cheryl Reeve actually and, would be fun to and, drink and with, too. Her, Yeah, four. So four. Okay. And Zim, too. Because, yeah, I would love to hear them talk about their teams. You don't drink wine, though, so that eliminates at least half well, of those coaches. I'll drink beer while, the, while they, they drink wine. It, it's fine. But you I drink wine, or are you just straight beer all the time? I dr- Last time I drank wine was about uh, four years ago, and it didn't end well. <laughs> Let's just say let's just say the alcohol content in wine is not favorable to a guy that ordinarily can slam beers. You don't. We don't, you don't slam wine. Well, I didn't really realize that. I didn't know. Bottle or box? What for are you? Nineteen? It was a, a New Year's Eve celebration at uh, at Vincent downtown, which is now gone. And it was a wine. They they would bring you the wine and the tasting, and it was really and good. You just slammed but I just started like, hey, I just slammed them. You know, I can't so make fun too much because the drunkest I've ever been in my life was a game of wine pong in college. See now, okay. Where instead of filling talk. up instead of filling up the cups, well, yeah, but I was like twenty. I'm just you're, saying you're almost all right. Sla- yeah. Slammed slammed is too strong of you're word. You're such a man child. I drank I drank the wine at too aggressive of rate, judging it too much like beer. Anyway, I've just stayed away from wine since then, and it's it's all good. I woke up in a pile of McChicken wrappers. Well, that's a better pile to wake up. Actually, yeah, (laughs) it was. I'd prefer to wake up in a pile of that than the alternatives to what you could have woken up in. How many did I eat? They're only a dollar at the time. Such a mistake. Is is there a worse headache possible than wine? Uh, It's. it's, I mean, if you go over that edge. yeah, it's it's aggressive, but you know, wine can be if you're just kind of sipping wine instead of chugging it. It can be it can be a smooth little little ride. Not really uh, a sipper. Phil. Actually, I, I do have some advice for Tom Thibodeau. Some unsolicited advice when we come back, and we can talk more about that Gophers atmosphere last night and uh, just what we what we think of the Gophers program now after watching them against one of the best teams in the country. And uh, Trey Wingo will join the show. He joins a few times a year, and it's always fun. He's got the new radio show in the morning with Mike Golick. So he'll join in about. 20 minutes from now. It's a Lunani Thursday at 10 o'clock. Myron Medcalf on Gophers Basketball at 11.15. Matthew Collar from Winter Park. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Wow, just what I've always wanted. On 15 ESPN. Coffee spinning. Double clutch. Doesn't go. From his backside, he hits. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> a little ode to Blake Hoffarber, but... Blake Hoffarber was from three point range, right in the corner. No, I thought he was in. I thought he was just off to the side of, of the basket, sort of like last night. And threw oh, Blake, it up Blake at, was way further out. Yeah, than, it was from than distance coffee. with Blake. 
I don't know if he was past the line, but it was very close. Wait. Now I have to look it up. Oh, so are we talking about a shot that he took with the Gophers or or the high school shot he took for Hopkins? The shot from he, his ass, the Blake Hoffarber shot. He took one from his butt at Target Center. Yeah. Which, at, at Hop- I didn't think that was from three. I thought that was way short. All right, we need that. a video review here. Yeah. Pulling up the. Uh, I mean, right were you, when I said the I'm Blake Hoffarber shot, were, were, which shot were you thinking? That, that's what, what I thought of, but okay. I was pretty sure that it was in this general vicinity that Coffee took his from last I night. Thought, I thought it was from. Like sitting near the three point line, now, very near. Was yes. it his butt is inside the line, but okay. his back is on the line. So yes. That was like a twenty foot okay. shot he hit from his keister. Yes, and last baseline night, too. I mean, you're not you're not working with any backboard there. Yeah, and so so coffee. The degree of difficulty. Coffee was sitting under the hoop and mm-hmm. had backboard to work with. Hoffarber was 15 feet further out with, with no bat. Well, I'm saying, it's I mean, still a nice shot. Well, he's like seven feet. Well, he's like six foot seven. So that to a me closer to it than uh, he was. He was probably closer to the hoop sitting than I would be standing. That to me though was the the biggest positive from last night. Amir Coffee is now shot. no no Amir <laughs> Coffee's play. Amir Coffee's play last night was everything that that people had wanted from him because the whole thing is. Don't be reluctant. You're good enough to control a game, basically. Yeah. Don't be reluctant to do so. And last night, he basically said, okay, that's fine. I'll take I, control of the game. I think it's hard sometimes when you, first of all, when you're that young, you're like 19, so you, you're not, you think you kind of know something coming into college because you were good in high school, but then it's then you have to readjust. Isaiah Washington was a great example of that. That's That was New York Mr. Basketball last year, right? Mm-hmm. State of New York Mr. Basketball last mm-hmm. year. And one of the best high school point guards in the country. And the guy's got 400,000 followers on Instagram. So he's certainly not, you know, he's, it ain't like he comes from a small town and has never had attention on him before. But there's something a little different when you're playing your first game under a big spotlight. It's ESPN. It's the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And you're going up against one of the most supremely talented collections of players in Miami. Well coached. So that you just, that's a great experience for Isaiah Washington. Yes. And for the Amir Coffees and some of the younger players, so that later on, now that they've got this under their belt, it's not just a bunch of directional schools or bottom of the barrel ACC schools they're playing. That's a tournament game last night. I mean, that's what that was. The positive about the only good thing about McBrayer not playing is the fact that Isaiah got that experience, which is going to pay off. The downside of what we saw last night is just how thin this team can possibly be against good teams. Curry's loss was enormous. Air Curry's loss was absolutely huge because because now you're now you're basically down to a bench that you thought was going to be semi deep to it's not deep, and so your issue now is okay you get to the tournament and if you get a guy hurt or something goes wrong that's it it's going to be very tough so I think there was an underestimation uh, by fans potentially what Curry's loss meant but you saw firsthand last night that could come back to bite you yep uh, the other basketball game the Wolves won last night. And uh, Andrew Wiggins had had season highs in points, rebounds, and assists. Towns had foul trouble last night. Is that what happened? He did. He, yeah, he still wound up with a double double actually. And it helps when one of the best players in the world, Anthony Davis, goes just nuts in the first quarter. And Boogie Cousins, like right? I mean, you went... and Boogie was the one restraining Anthony Davis. Yeah, he got yeah. teed up the first time, and they had to restrain him from getting kicked out of the game. He was. It, it looked like he was going to punch the official, and so they restrain Anthony Davis. And like two minutes later, Towns gets an offensive rebound, goes up, gets fouled. I think three guys went to go block the shot. At least one of them hit Towns on the arm. Uh, I don't remember. Anthony Davis might have had a beef, but he was so mad from the first call. Same official. 
he went storming at the official again and was just looking to get tossed. It so. was the next time down the floor. Yeah, so it less was than right two after minutes. down the floor. I mean, Davis clearly fouled him too. He was just still mad that he didn't get the call. Yep. So he's mad that, and he gets tossed. So the Wolves did what they should, which is take advantage. Mm-hmm. And here's my unsolicited advice to Tom Thibodeau. All right, it's a back to back. It's a travel. It's a travel day. You're you're going from home to road. And you've played mostly road games so far this season. You, you've the, the Wolves rank number one in games preceded by a flight. So your team is clearly, they're playing a ton of minutes. You start you have four starters playing top 30 minutes in the NBA right now. And you're up by 17 points with two minutes to go. Number one, let's get Andrew Wiggins off the court. Let's get the starters off the court. And number two, you don't have to be standing and hollering and bellowing and screaming and coaching up by 17 points with two minutes to go. The white flag has been waved. Sit down. Enjoy life for two minutes. What has? Take a deep breath. Meditate. Do something other than call plays and shout in that situation. If you were to give me those two options and say, Judd, what do you think is more realistic for Tibbs? That he would take his starters out and he doesn't trust his bench one bit or sit down, I would actually say take his starters out. I don't think he's capable of sitting down, relaxing, and enjoying. I don't know there's any amount that his team could win by where he would actually sit down, be quiet, and just say, okay, my job is, my work here is done. You know, the only guy that could maybe, so in that situation where, dude, stop coaching, it's over. In fact, if I'm the opposing coach, I'm looking over there like, dude, you're you're up by 17 points right now. What do you you're you're making me mad because now you're like, are you trying to run it up? What are you doing? Just go go chill out. The game is over. The only guy who could maybe ease the tension and lighten the mood there is Jimmy Butler. If if Jimmy Butler were to like clear a spot on the bench and whistle for Tibbs and like, you know, put his hey, hey, come on, Tom. Except Jimmy's come sit down, except Tom. Jimmy's, Jimmy's gotta, on the damn court probably. He's gotta still. get to the bench yeah. <laughs> and Tibbs won't let him get to the bench. Yeah. It is Jimmy was walking up and down the court last. Now he did he did sit for like the last ninety seconds or something. <laughs> yeah, but he thanks. was like it was almost like both legs were cramping and he could barely even run by the end of the game. <laughs> it felt bad for the, him. The remarkable thing is if you go back and watch the, the end of Tuesday's game is how spent those guys look because they didn't play their bench then. I thought there was no way that they were going to win last night. After seeing Tuesday's game, after seeing the amount that the starters played in that game and the way that that game ended, I thought if they lost Tuesday, that's it. They're done. Mm-hmm. They're done on on Wednesday for sure. But I I do not think there's any scenario under which you could actually get Tibbs with the clock running to just sit down. Let's all let's be quiet as possible. Now I now. I will say this. I have noticed that for home games this year, especially in the first half, for home games, Tibbs is not as vocal as he seems to be for road games. And I've been told that's partially because the guy that owns the team and his wife are right there, and she doesn't particularly like him screaming the entire time, so that he's tried to control himself. And he is quieter in the first half of home games, but he never sits down, and I don't think he ever will. It's amazing. Like, the owner's wife is... That it has to come to that. Just calm down a little bit, man. You don't need to be. You're up by 17 with two minutes to go. Just yeah, help himself. I don't man, think. Take a seat. Grab a Gatorade. Just chill out. Your job is done. You, great job. Awesome. You you won an unlikely road game on a back to back. So 
But they win. And by the way, our Wolves discussion this morning brought to you by TCL TVs, America's fastest growing TV brand, where the uh, 4K picture quality was great for uh, Andrew Wiggins' best performance of the season last night. Let's catch up with our friend Trey Wingo. Usually we uh, we get him on, talk football, NFL Live. Now he's part of 1500 ESPN every morning with the new Golick and Wingo show. So we can ask him about his thoughts on the Vikings firing up a new radio show and all kinds of other stuff. Trey Wingo joins the show next. Lou Nanny in a half hour. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I tune in to hear the hysteria <laughs> and the insanity. Mackey and Judd. Now we need to work on that. On 1500 ESPN. They're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not looking to pull him, but uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. Mike Zimmer. Not looking to pull him, but Teddy Bridgewater is wearing a helmet, standing on the white stripe of the sideline. I'm not looking to pull him, but if I don't have to keep him in, I'd be really happy. Uh, Mackie, by the way, Mackie and Judd poll here, uh, Twitter poll, which Minnesota coach would you most like to drink with? Uh, 10% say Tom Thibodeau. 21% say Bruce Boudreau. 23% say Cheryl Reeve, and 46% say Mike Zimmer. Uh, probably just to ask him, dude, why are you so hesitant on Case Keenum? Uh, uh, Trey Wingo is the new host of the show that started this last Monday on ESPN Radio and 1500 ESPN, the Golick and Wingo Show. Which coach would you most like to uh, to cheers drinks with that you haven't already, Trey? Well, I would be Zim all the way, just so I could sit down with him and say, Zim, Talk me through it. What am I missing that you're seeing and everyone else seems to think might be a problem here? Help me help me understand. Now, Trey, here's my contention, though. I think nationally that this is seen as a controversy, right? There's a quarterback no, no, controversy. No. I don't think that I don't think that's the case at all. I just think I, I get what Zimmer is saying and hey, every week's a week to week. I get it. But the way Case Keenum is playing, it's really not a discussion. I mean, you can't look at him and say, oh, he's just managing the game. Oh, look at him. He's just, he's just not letting us lose. He is playing above the X's and O's. When there's conflict in the pocket, he's calm. The game is around him. He finds his, uh, he finds his ability to reset his feet, go through the progression. Nothing looks scatterbrained. He's playing at an exceptional level right now. If I was to have told you in July, painted the picture of uh, Bradford's going to play one game, Trey, and then he's going to get hurt, and Case Keenum is going to be the guy, basically, what would you have said your exp- expectation for the Vikings would have been at that point? With the first pick of the 2018 draft, the Minnesota Vikings select. <laughs> and that tells you how good yep. Mike Zimmer has been. By the way, let's not forget losing Dalvin Cook. Okay. Yeah. So you really you're on your your second or third string running back. You're definitively on your third string quarterback, and they still are really really good. Um, so yeah, it tells me that Mike Zimmer's done a great job. Although it, it's weird how this whole thing is being handled, and, and then obviously what a great job Case Keenum has done. There, I mean, if you look at their defense, it's no it's no wonder why it's one of the top three ish defenses in the NFL. It's first round picks, second round picks. It's Mike Zimmer. I mean, it's like Xavier Rhodes' first round pick, Harrison Smith. They traded up. Was that late first or early second? But the offense, Trey Wingo, Adam Thielen, undrafted, Stephon Diggs, fifth round draft pick, Case Keenum, backup and also undrafted. Their starting center, franchise center, Pat Elfline, was a third round pick. Uh, you could keep going down the line. There's a, a lot of their offensive linemen were either undrafted or not highly touted. So the NFL is funny in that way that. Yeah, you can draft Laquan Treadwell and Cordero Patterson in the first round, and they can be busts or uh, not top options at receiver. 
and you can find an Adam Thielen or just identify somebody like a Case Keenum that could fit in your system, and it works based on scheme and coaching and personnel. You're exactly right. And of all the things that you said, the biggest turnaround from last year to this year for the Vikings has been that offensive line. Look, we knew how bad that offensive line You guys saw it every week, yeah. how bad that offensive line was a year ago. You know, For all the things that Sam Bradford did right last year, setting the record for completion percentage, he never had time to throw it down the field. That's why they were all checkdowns, because of the pressure he was getting up front. So for their ability as a, as a unit to rebuild that offensive line, and if you look at every single successful team in football, not only this year, guys, but in recent years, that's the common denominator, okay? That is the difference maker. The, the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year with basically the same group of offensive linemen that got them uh, got Brady destroyed in the AFC Championship game against the Denver Broncos because they brought back the legendary offensive line coach Dante Scarnecchia. He coached those guys up, and that was a big difference. You look at what's happening in Philadelphia. They lose Jason Peters, and that line is still functioning at a very high level. They're averaging 147 yards per game on the ground. The bringing in of Andrew Whitworth to the Rams in L.A. and how much that solidified that offensive line and made Jared Goff a better player. All these teams with great offensive lines are having success. Any team with a bad offensive line or mediocre offensive line is not having success. And for all the things that we just talked about, the rebuilding of that offensive line is as important as anything else that they've done in Minnesota this year. It's Trey Wingo from the Golick and Wingo Show, brand new on ESPN Radio and 1500 ESPN here in the Twin Cities before uh, we take the air on Mackie and Judd. What do you know or what have you heard about Pat Shermer? Because he now, if you look at what he's done since taking over for North Turner halfway through last year, just in Minnesota, Sam Bradford put up the best performance of his entire football life in week one with a Pat Shermer system and offense. Case Keenum is, has gone from sort of a punchline around the NFL to, wow, this guy might actually be in the conversation at the end of the year for MVP votes. If you take the Cleveland Browns thing off Pat Shermer's resume, and I would even add winning nine games over two years in Cleveland is one of the best accomplishments of any Cleveland Browns coach since 1999. Pat Shermer probably deserves interviews this offseason. Absolutely he does, and, and you're right. I mean, you, I think what we've learned here is you don't blame someone for what happens in Cleveland because clearly <laughs> it's Cleveland. Yeah, okay. man. 0-11 for the second straight year, and Pat was very, very highly uh, – uh, thought of when he went to Cleveland and took that job. Look, there's a reason that Cleveland has been floundering like a fish out of water since they came back to the league in 1999. And a lot of it has nothing to do with the myriad of coaches that go through it. It's the process of how they build a team. And that's actually unbelievably gone through several owners as well uh, in Cleveland. So I think Pat's very well thought of in the way he's been able to sort of turn this around. Remember, Norv bailed, you know, and then Pat was like the, the default switch, really. And it's an amazing thing. And it also proves how fragile winning is in the NFL. And that's where I go back to this idea about Case Keenum. Look, I get it that you think you, you, Teddy Bridgewater might be the future and you want to make sure that he knows that he want, you want him around because all three of these quarterbacks you have there, their contracts are up. But it is so hard to do what the Vikings are doing this year and what the Eagles are doing this year. Unless you're Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in New England or when Peyton Manning was with the Colts, this doesn't happen year after year after year. So when it's working right, you don't mess it up. You ride the hot hand. Uh, as Burt Lance, uh, the Carter administration in the 70s famously <laughs> said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It ain't broke, so don't fix it. Trey, do you think Case gets paid? By somebody, yeah. I mean, look, this is going to be an amazing – we were just talking about this with Adam on, on our show. The, the number of quarterbacks that might be available this offseason – 
Kirk Cousins. Jimmy Garoppolo's on the end of his contract. We don't know if he's going to want to stay in San Francisco and if they have enough to, to keep him there. Uh, we have Eli Manning might be on the market. Okay, You have Case Keenum. You have Sam Bradford. You have Teddy Bridgewater. There are going to be a lot. This this is going to be, we might even, Drew Brees yeah. uh, might, might find his way out of New Orleans after making $30 million a year for the last three years. We, we're never going to see an NFL offseason like this. This NFL offseason is going to be like every NBA offseason when it comes to free agents. Yeah. It is going to be unbelievable. What, hey, oh, go ahead, Judd. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what, what feel-good team don't you trust? If, if there's one team that's, that's achieving success right now, Trey, which team don't you trust the most? Well, that, that that's hard to say because so many of these feel-good teams haven't been there for a while. Right. Like, look, uh, the Rams are great, uh, and Case Keenum is great. But in the pressure of the playoffs, do those things change? Because it is a different dynamic. You know, everybody says it's just the same. It isn't. Because everybody knows that if you don't win this game, you don't get to win the next week, and you'll get to play the next week. So that dynamic does exist. Uh, and, and there's a lot of these teams that are playing really well right now that you wonder about. I mean, Jacksonville, for example, you know, they, they gave one away in Arizona last week. Uh, when you know, Doug Rohn's trying to win without throwing a forward pass from a quarterback. He's trying to rely on that defense and the running game. So they would be certainly one that I would question there there's really only one team that i know uh that i trust and that would be new england uh, even pittsburgh i mean they're sort of getting by here uh they had a sloppy game against the the aaron Rodgers less packers and it was a field goal uh, game at the end and they had the, the game where they had to squeak by against the colts you think they're going to take down the patriots playing like that that's not going to be any good so i guess that, that the question for me is not which team do, don't I trust? It's which team do I trust? And really, right now, that's one, and that's New England. Yeah, uh, Trey Wingo, you can hear him and Mike Golick, and even Mike Golick Jr., who's a regular on this uh, radio show, for the first hour of Golick and Wingo. Uh, we've we've loved the show this week. We always enjoy when you filled in on Mike and Mike. What For, for you, making this transition in your career to, uh, to daily morning radio after doing NFL Live for all these years, what went into that for you, and, uh, and how have you enjoyed the first week so far, Trey? Oh, there's still one more day to go, so talk to me on Friday. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it's been great. Mike and I go way back. We did the first ever NFL Live together in 2003. We live about a mile and a half from each other. Uh, you know, our kids grew up together and went through the same uh, junior football program. So that part made it easy because normally when you got to launch something new and there's all this sort of, hey, what do you know about me? What do I know about you? That's out of the picture. That That's not even part of the equation. So that makes it fun. Um, you know, and for someone who's been here 20 years, uh, the idea to maybe sort of do something new and take on a new challenge, that was also fun. I'm, I'm still doing some NFL Lives. I'll do it today, and I'll do NFL Lives throughout the Super Bowl in Minnesota, which I'm sure we'll see you guys around. Uh, and, and then after that, it'll be more of a full-time radio gig with the NFL Draft as well. But, look, the, the idea to try something new and strike out, it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're enjoying it, and, uh, yeah, we'll probably we'll probably run into you sometime here in February and maybe even a home Super Bowl for the Vikings <laughs> as I knock on wood when I say that. How about that? Right? Never happened, so that would be fun. Yep. Thanks, Trey. You got it, guys. Take care. Appreciate right, it. Trey Wingo from Golick and Wingo, the new morning show on 1500 ESPN and ESPN Radio. So, yeah, he's uh, he's very much, why are you talking about Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Zimmer? Stop. This yes. is what Mike Zimmer said yesterday. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not looking to pull him, but uh, <laughs> I just you know, love that. every week's a different week in this league. I'm not looking to pull does him, it, but. Uh, does it bother you, though? I don't think it does. It does see, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. No, me either. Like it bothers a lot of this bothers a lot of people. 
And sports-wise, there's a lot of things that bother me. This isn't one of them. Yeah, like if Case Keenum had a five-year track record of being a really good NFL quarterback, this would bother me. It would make no sense. But he has a two-month track record of being a really good quarterback, and there's a first-round pick who's ready to play behind him. So, yeah, keep playing well, and the job is yours. Right. I don't know. And if Kate, if if Case Keenum or the team had a problem with it, maybe it needed to be addressed. But it seems like Nobody does. it's the most benign quarterback controversy in the history of the NFL. Everyone gets along. Teddy's all happy. Nobody's mad Case here. and Teddy love each other. Case, the team loves both of the guys. Case is not mad here. Like, if Case came out and said, damn it, this really bugs me and I should be the starter, and it created uh, friction and, and the locker room split, I would get it. But it's not. We know we've uh, we've yet to accomplish everything we want to accomplish, and we've got a lot of lot of work out ahead of us. But uh, we're hungry for it, and uh, I think uh, I think everybody in this locker room is hungry. We trust our process, and our process is coming in on Mondays, uh, reviewing the film, looking at what we did well, looking at what we didn't do well, uh, getting better. And uh, you know, no matter what uh, you know the outcome may have been, no matter what the past, like I said, we're we're you know letting all that go because everything we want is right in front of us. Mackie and Jay, we also trust the process. That's what we do every day here. Uh, Lou Nanny will join us in about 15 minutes at the top of the hour. Myron Medcalf at 11.15 on Gophers Miami from last night. Matthew Collar from Winter Park. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Put on your big boy pants and let's go. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN. Visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul, and Wells Fargo. Invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoor artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. It's open seven days a week, located in the heart of the city. Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not looking to pull him, but, uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. Just for fun, I have pulled the 16-game pace, hashtag pace, mm-hmm. for Case Keenum. So what, what would his numbers be over if you extrapolated what he's given you so far and you know, if, if you gave him the week one, because he, he didn't start week one, and if you just if you extrapolated this to 16 full games, he would be just shy of 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and 96.2 passer rating, and only 11 sacks in 16 games. That's super telling right there. And some of it's credit to him for being able to Get out of the way of pressure and and sure. you know feel pressure coming and move up stay stay behind the line of scrimmage, but that right there that's a now that's not for people calling in on Ventline and you know hitting us up on social media that's not Kurt Warner 1999 where he threw 40 plus touchdowns and 4,000 plus yards and MVP and all those things a good solid starting quarterback in a great infrastructure. That's what Case Keenum has been. And that's why I'm not offended that Mike Zimmer refuses to, you know, $20 million what's, a year, crown him, blah, what's blah, blah. What's interesting, though, is, is is Keenum's name is now being tossed out with, with, the, with the best quarterbacks who are going to be on the market. Like, now we're talking about Breeze and Cousins and, and perhaps Garoppolo and Smith is probably going to be traded yeah. and Eli is probably going to be out there and Case Keenum. Like, who would have ever expected if I had come to you when the Vikings signed him and said, this is how it's going to play out. And by the end of the year, there's a very good chance he won't come back, but we will be talking about him with the elite 
quarterbacks who are going to be on the market, you would have said you're absolutely crazy. Yeah, my best guess is Garoppolo either gets franchised by the 49ers. I don't think they make that trade unless he's just... A, well, there's, there's two scenarios in my mind. He's terrible starting this week, the rest of the year, and his value just goes way down. That he's just not... He's not a guy that the teams would sign other than San Francisco to take another look at him next year to be their starting quarterback. Or he plays really well the rest of the way for San Francisco or well enough to show you some flashes and to give you some hope. And then they either reach a contract extension with him or they franchise tag him, mm-hmm. which would be a lot of money. But I, if it came down to letting itself, him go. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I think Garoppolo is going to be available as a starting quarterback on the market. And my, my thought on Drew Brees is a lot different than it would have been when they were 0-2 to start the season. If they had continued on below 500, missed the playoffs, Brees still thinks he has another year or two left in the tank, mm-hmm. and that defense was still bad in New Orleans, I would have said, I think he moves on. I think he chases a ring for the last year or two, and maybe you know the Vikings are an option. That's one of the best teams in the NFL now. Their defense is better. He can chase a ring with them. Absolutely. Yes, it doesn't make sense for him to leave New Orleans. But Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum. I mean, Eli Manning's available. We talked about that earlier this week. Yep. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Just that collection alone yep. is a very interesting collection of free agent quarterbacks so, or available quarterbacks. So given what you know about Smith is is he, he got off to a fantastic start, uh, but the team itself has has certainly gone backwards in recent weeks. If you had the option right now, of potentially case who you could consider who you could convince yourself okay there might be something else here and and at the age of 29 we might have started to see that or smith who would you pursue with case keenum and alex smith it all it always comes back to a salary cap league for me you know i'm trying to think of like a recent wolves example i really liked nikola pekovic and even ricky rubio I didn't like them on their big free agent contract. Like they're big, we're going to extend you for $14 million a year. Mm-hmm. I don't want a guy who plays 50 games a year maximum making the second most money on my roster behind my best player, Kevin Love. So relative to what they make in a salary cap league, I'll absolutely listen on flawed players like Alex Smith or Case Keenum. But if we're talking about the 15 to $20 million a year that franchise quarterbacks get, I need to know what the rest of my roster is like, and I need to know what I could get Teddy Bridgewater back for, you know, and and that's that's the challenge. Like, would I, in a vacuum, without considering finances, would I love for Case Keenum to be on this team next year, the year after that, especially if Pat Shermer is still the offensive coordinator? Absolutely. If you can turn to a backup quarterback, and he, and, and at, at very least a backup quarterback, and he does this for two months, and he becomes, over a 16-game period, a 4,000-yard passer, and he doesn't get sacked, and he just keeps the ball moving down the field. Um, I, I want that. I don't want that for Mike Glennon money. I don't want that for $18, $20 million when I have other players I need to maybe think about extending and other positions I might need to fill going forward. The, the intriguing thing with, uh, with Smith and Case is this. They are as opposite as possible. because with And, and it's a negative in both ways. In an Alex Smith case, if you sign him or trade trade for him, you know pretty much exactly what you're getting, which can be a pretty good quarterback at times, but a very conservative guy who's never going to kill you. The flip side of that is he's never going to necessarily win you a game. Mm-hmm. With Case, you're going to get a guy who who is potentially going to take some chances. Some of those chances might win you a game. Some of those chances also might cost you a game. 
So, and that's the thing with Smith that drives you crazy is there's not that sort of just a little bit of, of I'm going to take a risk here because if I take this risk, it could pay off. There's always this default to a conservative way of playing. So they're very different in that sense. And I guess it, it becomes this. The question becomes, do you want someone who's willing to take a chance once in a while, although that chance might cost you, or do you want the guy who's never going to do it? It won't cost you, but you're also probably not going to win games yeah. at times because of that. I think you need a really good defense to win a Super Bowl with either of them. And luckily for the Vikings, they have it. Or not luckily. I mean, they built it and they coached it. Uh, on Pat Shermer, we got into Pat Shermer there with Trey Wingo. That was, that was a fun segment with Trey Wingo. If you missed it, you can podcast it later on. He's phenomenal, talking Vikings, super passionate. And uh, and he agrees that Pat Shermer should get a lot more attention for head coaching jobs. And you can basically throw the Cleveland Browns two years out the window. It's a badge of honor. It the, totally the is. Cleveland, and he's one fa- of their better coaches the, the last 15 years. The plan with Cleveland is two-year failures. You go there and get a graduate degree in what not to do. You leave there, get an assistant job, and then get a second chance. Because if you look at this, Cleveland, more often than not, in about the past, what? three or four hires that they've made, it's consistently two years, you're fired, and nobody should hold that yeah. against you if they're trying to find a coach. But I'm, I'm trying to think back. I haven't felt this way following the Vikings about a coordinator potentially leaving and that, oh, man, like that would be a huge loss since Mike Tomlin. And that was only one year. And, and, but you kind of knew when he left, it was like, really... oh, man, he's a head coach now? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I feel that's been 10 years since I felt that way about a Vikings coordinator where you're, you're thinking – Boy, if that guy left, that'd be a the last, huge blow to the team. The last um, OC in this town who who had the credibility was Billick. Billick. What had, about Linehan? Yeah, he he was well liked. That's true too. But I mean, Billick Billick walked away after ninety eight, and you said to yourself, of of all his pompous faults, he was really good. Jeff was yeah, or Scott was good too. But in this case, this is a guy who clearly is going to get a chance. I think. I mean, you can't look at what he's done and the fact that he's done it with a guy perceived to be a backup quarterback and think that there's not going to be at least one or two teams yeah. that, that say he's worth talking to and quite possibly worth a job. This job is way more impressive to me, the job Pat Shermer has done. We can maybe get into this later. than like an Adam Gaze who rides the coattails of Peyton Manning 55 touchdown pass season. Not that Adam Gaze doesn't know how to coach too, but like this is way more impressive than... Just being Tom Brady's offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackie and Judd, let's catch up with our friend Lou Nanny. Interesting things happening around the Minnesota Wild these days. We'll talk about them when we come back. If you love to travel, you love cool experiences, you are going to love Viator. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace. And for me, Sun Valley skiing is huge on my bucket list. So I just opened the Viator app, searched Sun Valley, and boom. Custom ski and boot fittings and tickets delivered right to our condo. Pretty unbelievable. Just download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. 